0: Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Amen. Say, I take eyes to see. I take ears to hear. Today, I will receive exactly what the Holy Spirit has for me. And I forgive everybody of everything. You may be seated. Opening Bible to Psalm 138. Psalm 138. We're in a series we're calling The Age of Heroes. The Age of Heroes. And one of the things the Holy Spirit let me know very clearly concerning the series, the series is not meant to be a teaching series, even though there will be teaching, it was meant to encourage you. It was meant to inspire you. It was meant to exhort you and lift you up to accomplish what God has called you to accomplish. So when we started the series two weeks ago, under the leading of the Lord, I told you to write on the top of your notes, because every time you come to church, you should be prepared to take notes. Amen. We said on the top of your notes, write two things. One, a dream that you're believing for God to bring to pass in your life. And the second thing was to be honest with yourself and write down a dream you gave up on because you said, I'm too old, I'm too this, I'm too that. It can't come to pass now. So I want you to write those two things if you're joining us for the first time. If you've already been here for the last few weeks, just wave at me so I can see. Okay, that's about 60 70% of you. So if you haven't, write those things down. And I encourage you to get those MP3s or CDs so you can catch up with where we are today. So the age of heroes, we said a hero is a person who is admired or idealized for courage, outstanding achievements, or noble qualities. We said the age we live in requires heroes. It's not an age for weak Christians. It's not an age for those who are standing on the fence. It's an age for those who are willing to be bold, willing to step out, willing to stand for God. This is the age of heroes. So we covered the stories of Daniel of Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, of Esther and Mordecai. And today we're going to look at two different stories. And so today's installment is called The Age of Heroes, I Can Still Take a Giant. The Age of Heroes, I Can Still Take a Giant. So Psalm 138, verse 8, is our text scripture for the series. It says, The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. We looked at different translations, and it says that the word perfect means to perform, to complete, to bring to an end. So it can be translated, the Lord will work out his plans for my life. The Lord will vindicate me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. The Lord will accomplish what concerns me. We looked at one of the names of God last week, that he is the Lord of the breakthrough. That doesn't matter what's in front of you, the Lord of the breakthrough is going before you to break it all open for you. We looked at Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. So let's turn there quickly. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Notice what Paul is telling to the church at Philippi. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And if you don't have a Bible feel free to look on the screens or look with your neighbor we are a friendly church Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 being confident of this very thing that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ the word perform means to fulfill further or completely to accomplish, to do, to finish. So Paul said, I am confident with what God began in you, he will finish. So it doesn't matter what obstacle stands before you, whether it's a literal giant or a metaphorical giant, God is able to finish what he starts in you. He's able to take it until the day Jesus comes back. So it doesn't matter what goes on in your life. It doesn't matter how many haters you have, how many problems or circumstances you have. It doesn't matter what the world does. It doesn't matter what governments do. What well, God started in you, He is able to finish it. Can someone say, amen? "Amen." Now go to the book of numbers. Paul was confident in God's ability to fulfill the dream, plan and purpose in the life of the believer. So we can look at numbers 13. we look at numbers, we know in the book of Exodus. God has supernaturally and powerfully delivered his people from the bondage in Egypt. He brought them out with a mighty right hand, the scripture says. He delivered them. He overthrew Pharaoh and every Egyptian god and everything that was holding his people back. His purpose was, I'm going to bring them to a promised land. The promised land is what he promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, I'm going to bring you to the place that I promised to your fathers. I made them a promise, so I'm going to make it come to pass in your life. I'm going to make it come to pass in your generation. Now, you might think, well, how long is it supposed to take them from Egypt to Canaan, which was the promised land? At max, it should only take them three weeks. Three weeks to get there. So let's look at Numbers chapter 13, verse 1. They're on the edge of the promised land. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel of every tribe of their fathers. Shall you send a man, every one a ruler among them? And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were the heads of the children of Israel. And we're going to tune in to verse 6. It says, Of the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. So God's idea is... Take 12 leaders, 12 noble men of the tribes. Send them out. Let them gather report. Let them see the land. is exactly what I said. And have them come back and bring word to my people. Let's pick up with verse 26. So they go out and spy the land 40 days. They see how great the land is how great the fruit of the land is. They bring back a branch of grapes that is so large, it had to be carried on two poles between people. They talk about how prosperous the land is, how it's the greatest place to have a nation. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel into the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them. Underline the word, word. And unto all the congregation and show them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, we came into the land where you sent us, and surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. So it's exactly like God told us it was. Nevertheless, or but. Sometimes our but gets in the way. The people be strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. Anak and his kids were giants. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan." So it says, yep, it's exactly like God said, but there's some resistance. There's some problems. There's some giants. There's some strong cities. So they're going on giving all these reasons why it can't be what God said it's going to be. How many of you know that God knew there was some resistance in the land? A lot of people believe for their promised land or for their season to come, but they forget when you get to your promised land or you get to your due season, there will be resistance. You think just because you got to your due season, Satan will not try to try you? So they're running into resistance and they're freaking out. And Caleb, still the people before Moses, says, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. So although there's resistance, although there are giants, although there are strong cities, although there's this and that, we are more than able to overcome it. Let's go right now. But the men that went up with them said, we be not able to go against these people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up a what? What's that word? Now, when we think of evil, we think of people who do horrible things, tragic things. But notice what the Bible also calls evil, a report of unbelief. Brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land though which we have gone to search it is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people we saw are in it, men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were we in their sight. So notice they're not just saying the giants think we're small people, that we're not a big deal, but we look at ourselves, we're not a big deal. We're just grasshoppers in our own sight, so we're in there, so we're not able to do what God said we can do. Here's our excuses, so God must deal with these excuses because we can't do what God said. Chapter 14, verse 1. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. Everybody. A national pity party. Not a little depressed. They all began to yell and cry. Millions of people. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought unto us this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a pastor and let us return to Egypt. Notice, they're switching allegiances. Why? Ten men brought back word unto them brought back an evil report, brought back a report or a message or a gospel that didn't agree to what God said. And the people believed the word of these 10 spies, and they said, let's reject Moses, let's reject Aaron, let's pick us another captain, another leader, another prophet, another pastor, and let us go back to Egypt. Let's do what we want to do. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey, only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us, but fear them not. Notice he said their defense is left them. So whatever supernatural powers were protecting them before was gone. So they're saying we can take them. They said they are bread for us. Hanvi know bread is not a difficult thing to eat or rip apart? part. If you have a problem ripping bread, there's some other issues I need to be healed. He said it's so easy they are breakfast for us. So let us go and take the land. If God delights in us, he promises it to us. We will get everything he promised. Amen. Verse 10, but all the congregation bade stone them with stones. Kill them. We don't like what they're prank- preaching. We don't like what they're preaching. Go ahead, kill them. Post something bad about them on Facebook. Tweet about them. Post it. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. And the story goes on, the Lord says to Moses, how long am I gonna deal with your people? When you look at Exodus and Numbers, Moses and God go back and forth. God says, your people, Moses know your people. Moses even responded one time, God, did I nurse them? Did I carry them up? No, I didn't, these are your people that you called me to brought up. So God says, enough is enough. And he says, you've been saying all these 10 different times, we're we're gonna die in this wilderness, we're gonna die in this wilderness, we're gonna die in this wilderness. So he goes, fine. Have it your way. You have my permission. You may die in the wilderness. Be careful what you say. Amen. They were murmurers and complaining, so they kept murmuring and complaining, and what they complained came to pass. So he said, A whole generation will die in the wilderness. Moses, in response to that word, wrote a psalm called Psalm 90. And it's where you look at that Psalm, verse 90, verse 10 and 11, where it says 70 or 80 years by strength, and then we all fly away. Everybody knows that Psalm. It's like, oh, we only have 70 years to live, or maybe 80 if you're really strong. And people use that as a goal to live. But that was judgment on a rebellious, disobedient, unbelieving generation. So why set your faith to live 70, 80 years when that was the punishment? Your faith should be set to live till you're satisfied. Psalm 91, with long life will he satisfy me and show me his salvation. So don't set your faith for 70 or 80 years and then, oh, I got to fly away. No, no, no. That's if you're unbelieving. The unbeliever, 70, 80 years. But you are faith people. Look at verse 24. Actually, before we go, they go to Hebrews 3. Hebrews 3. The writer of Hebrews talks about this exact scene. Hebrews 3, verse 7. Don't set your faith on what makes sense. See, 70, 80 years, that just makes sense to some people but why limit yourself to sense knowledge when you can live and walk by faith? Hebrews 3, verse 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost says, today if you will hear his voice, Harden not your heart as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation, and said they do always err in their hearts, and they have not known my ways, so I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. Because if you allow unbelief to stay in your heart, it will grow to a point that causes you to leave God. Notice the evil heart in Numbers 13 and 14 calls them to say, let's pick us another leader and go back to Egypt. You cannot tolerate unbelief. You cannot tolerate fear. Fear tolerated is faith contaminated. You can't allow fear, unbelief to reside in your heart. They hardened their heart to the Word of God. They began to complain. They began to whine. They began to talk against the Word God brought to them, and they received another word. You have to realize in this arena of life that we're in, there will be many things that are bringing you words. But the thing is, is it a word from God? Is it a report from God, or is it a word from the world, a word of evil, a word of unbelief? Newscasters, governments, education will always bring you words, but the thing is, does that word line up with the word of God? You must make a decision every single day, not just Sunday, but every single day, whose report will you believe? So if these spies of fear come and tell you, well, this can't happen to you, you can't be healed. Nope, you can't get a breakthrough. Nope, you'll still be like everyone else in your family. Nope, you're going to be broke every day of your life. Nope, you're going to be depressed. You can't get this off of you. Are you going to believe that report or are you going to believe what God says about you? We used to sing a song here a long time ago. It goes, whose report will you believe? And then we would reply, we shall believe the report of the Lord. So let's try that for a second. Whose report will you believe? Well, that sounds like you might believe it. Whose report will you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. One more time. Whose report will you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. Let's go to Numbers 14. Let's look at the two in a generation that believe the report of the Lord. The rest of the generation didn't receive what God had for them. He also said, your children who you said will be a prey, they will be more faithful than you. They will get what I promised, their fathers. You won't walk in it, but they will. And the only two of that whole generation that survived, that were over the age of 20, was Joshua and Caleb. They believed the report of the Lord. 14, verse 24 Notice what God says about Caleb. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, underline another spirit, we'll get back to that, have followed me fully. Him will I bring into the land whereinto he went and his seed shall possess it. Notice, God said, I'm going to bring Caleb into the land. But the judgment on Israel is you're going to walk around in the wilderness for 40 years. So this man of faith who did the right thing, his purpose, his dream, his plan, seems to be delayed because of wicked and rebellious people. But God promised him, I will bring him in the land, and he will possess it. But some things are delayed. So go to Joshua chapter 14. Forty years go by. A new generation rises. Joshua brings him into the land. They began to take the land. Joshua 14, verse 6. Joshua 14, verse 6. Caleb had another spirit. He had a different outlook. He had a different attitude. He chose to believe the report of the Lord. Joshua chose to believe the report of the Lord. And God preserved them into a whole nother generation. Joshua 14, verse 6, Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal. And Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenazite said unto him, You know the thing the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee, in Cadis Barnea. Forty years old was I when, the Mos- when Moses the servant of the Lord sent me out to Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Words of faith were in the heart of Caleb. You must deposit the word in your heart. Because when you do, when you see a negative outlook, you'll respond a different way. So he said, I brought out word that was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly follow the Lord my God. That's why you have to be careful what you listen to. Because if you keep listening to the wrong voices, it can make you melt and go back into fear instead of walking forward in faith. You also have to look, because it will try, if it can't get you into fear, it'll try to get you into other things, to try to get you back into fear eventually. That's why you have to watch out for different reports. You know, they report on how much money somebody made, and why does that even matter? Because what it's trying to do is make you jealous. And if you get into jealousy, you eventually get out of love, then your faith won't work, then you'll be back in fear. Be careful what you listen to. Or say, well, if I can't get them to jealousy, if I can't get them to fear directly, well, let me play the race card. It's dangerous to be black in America today. You walk outside, you're gonna get killed. Fear preached a different way, and people receive it. Be careful what you listen to, be careful what word you receive. Remember, a thousand may fall at your side, and 10,000 at your right hand, but it won't come near you. So, you hear these words, you need to reply. No, not in my house, not in my sacrifice, not in my body. My God is a shield for me. Amen. Reply back, speak back to what's going on. Don't receive words that will cause your heart to melt. Remember, we talked about it last month. When we see things like that come on the news, we reply, nope, not in my house. Now, Father, what would you have me to do about that to make an impact and to change that? Stop listening to everything that people throw out. See, the enemy's desperate. He'll just throw out stuff and see what sticks. He tried one tactic, tried another. Well, let me keep throwing something. Maybe one thing will stick. But you have a shield of faith. And if you walk in faith and use your faith, which is fed by the word of God, whatever the enemy throws has to bounce off. But you must have words of faith in your heart for that to happen to you. Or else you'll believe it. Everything that comes on TV, you'll believe. We have to make sure when it comes to things that are presented to us, we're not like children. You know, children watch commercials and they have to put at the end, this is fake, this is not real. Why? The children, they're going to believe it. We have to make sure as adults, just because it's not a kid's program, we don't believe everything we hear. Not everything that's on Facebook is true. Not everything on CNN and Fox News is true. What is true? The Word of God. So don't let the enemy lead you away with whatever appeals to you. Stand in the Word. Stand in faith and be ready for a fight. This is the age of heroes you were born to fight, the good fight of faith. It's only a good fight if you win. So although you may have a whole bunch of giants before you, a whole bunch of resistance before you, you were born for such a time as this, and not only can you handle it, you are born an overcomer through him that loves you, so you're gonna win and win big, but you must stand strong. You must believe the reports of the Lord. And then it continues. And mo- and I but I wholly follow the Lord my God. Make sure you completely follow God. Because you know partial obedience is still disobedience. So don't cherry pick what scriptures you follow. See how I want to be quiet today. <laughs> don't just go, well, I like that scripture about healing, but forgiving that person, no, I don't like that. i don't like forgiving everybody of everything. Nope, I'm going to get them back. No, you have to walk in forgiveness. You have to walk in love. But they did this to me. Well, no one is crucifying you. You are not hanging on a cross saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they've done. So if Jesus could forgive them, say, oh, that's Jesus. Well, let's talk about Stephen. They're throwing rocks at his head, pushed him off a cliff. And he says, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Well, Stephen was a preacher. No, he wasn't. He was just a Ministry of Health member. If Jesus could do it, if Stephen can do it, you can do it. You must walk in forgiveness. You must follow the word to the letter. You must follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. You must wholly follow the Lord so Satan doesn't have an avenue to get in and get you off course. Do everything he tells you to do. Not partial obedience, full obedience. Notice what says next. And Moses were on that day saying, surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children forever because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. Some of you are just in here today because God has kept you alive. As he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day 85 years old. People think, well, now it's time for you to retire. You got God's promise. Now it's time for you to sit back and relax and enjoy. But notice what he says. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me as my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Notice what he said. I'm 85, but I still feel like I'm 45. I'm not just strong where I can walk around, I'm strong where I can fight, I can go to war, I can go in and I can come back. Meaning I'm stronger than my enemy, so I take them down and I come back home victoriously. God can preserve you. He can renew your youth like the eagles. So stop saying things like, well, I can't do this because I'm this age. Stop using your age as an excuse. He can renew you. He can keep you. He can preserve you. Moses was 120 when he died. But it said his eyesight wasn't dim. That means your eyes don't have to go just because you're 40. It's like, well, so-and-so said their eyes went. That's so-and-so. That's not you. And then it said he climbed a mountain. Now, a lot of us in here, we ain't 120. Well, we can't climb a mountain. But Moses was 120, climbed a mountain. Nothing was wrong with him. But God said, go ahead, climb the mountain, and die. What? He had authority of death. Remember, the power of life and death is in the tongue. And what did Abraham and Isaac and Jacob do when they were ready to die? They called all the family around, prophesied, blessed them, and left. That's how you're supposed to go. Sickness doesn't have to take you out. So if I keep getting healed, how am I going to die? Die like the patriarchs. Renew your mind to the fact that just because you're a senior citizen, that your best days aren't behind you. Notice what Caleb said next. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. Whereof the Lord spake in that day, and thou heard in the day how the Anakims were there, and that cities were great and fenced. If so be, the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. So notice he didn't say, I want to retire now because God's been faithful. That mountain, a mountain by itself is hard to take. A mountain with fenced cities is harder to take. But a mountain with fenced cities that is inhabited by giants, That is the hardest territory in the whole nation. This 85-year-old man, give me that mountain. That mountain that made everybody afraid 40 years ago, I want that mountain. And if you keep reading the book of Joshua, what was the result? It says he drove them out. So these giants, these nine foot tall men, are running from this 85-year-old man with a sword. A different spirit about him you may be in your 80s but it's time for you to chase off giants it's time for you to impart wisdom and to pray for people and to help them to what God has called them to do you're not done yet
1: 70 or 80 that's under the curse you're under the blessing of God if you're not satisfied keep going get stronger and if you really want to mess with your family have another baby
0: Go to 1 Samuel chapter seventeen. Oh, <laughs> uh, could you imagine telling your kids that? <laughs> you know, we do counseling for all ages, and part of the counseling we do when we do premarital counseling, we cover kids. So when we have pe- families who are getting older, they, you know, this might be the second marriage, and maybe in the 60s or 70s or 80s, we say, well. We can cover this portion of child care, you know. We can believe God. If you did it for Abraham and Sarah, he can do it for you. They usually go, no, Pastor, we good. We're done. Don't bring that up. Don't speak that. We are done. That season has passed in our life. <laughs> I go to 1 Samuel. Y'all yeah, well, were with me to that point. I'm like, whoa, Pastor, back out of 1 Samuel. Caleb hung on to the promise of God. That they would possess the land. Standing on that word, it enabled him to take a land full of giants and say, we are more than able. That mentality so grasped him, it also affected his nephew, who not only took down giants by himself. The book of Judges says he became a judge or a deliverer himself. That when Israel sinned and went into captivity, his nephew stood up with that same spirit and delivered the people. So you may just be the first person who's a giant killer in your family, the first person of faith, but that spirit that's in you can permeate the entire family till you all become giant killers. Don't think, oh, my family's a lost cause. No, there's still time left. There's still breath in their bodies. Jesus is still coming. There is time for everybody to turn around. So he's like, well, there are all these other different religions. They're Muslim. They're Buddhist. They say, well, they're temporarily Muslim. They're temporarily Buddhist. They're temporarily on drugs. It's just temporary. It's a light thing for God. Watch how you talk about your family. Now, they may be crazy. doesn't mean you have to go to their house. Doesn't mean you have to invite them over for Thanksgiving. But you can still pray for them. You can still intercede for them. You can still believe God for them. And you still walk in love and forgiveness towards them. Now, walking in love does not mean you have to hang out with them every single day. You can love people from a distance. Let the church say, amen. All right, 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 1. Now we're going to talk about David. Not David the king, David the shepherd boy, David the teenager. Before chapter 17, he's anointed to be king. You can be anointed to do something, but it may take time for your gift to come to his full time. David was anointed by the time he was 16 or 17 to be king. He wasn't king to the age of 30. And not over the whole kingdom to 32. So just because you're anointed to do something, you need to grow in your anointing. You need to grow in your gifting, you need to grow in your skills. Now how he was anointed was the prophet Samuel, the greatest preacher and prophet in the land, came by to Jesse, and say, call all of your sons to this feast. We won't sit down until they come. And Samuel knew that one of the sons of Jesse was called to be the next king. So all of Jesse's sons come out. And Samuel looks at one, this must be the king, and the Holy Ghost says, nope, I have not accepted him. I look on the heart, not what you see. The next son goes by, next son goes by, everybody goes by, and Samuel knows he didn't miss it. He says, Jesse, do you have any more kids? Yep, I got one named David, he's out there with the sheep. Imagine the family issues. The greatest prophet, the greatest preacher of the land comes to your house, invites your family to this table of honor, but they don't invite you. There's some family drama going on. And when David walks in, Samuel says, I'm not going to sit down till he comes. The Lord says, that's him. Samuel anoints him. The Spirit of God comes upon him. It says, in the middle of his brothers. So not only did his dad think little of him, and his brothers did too, and now he's anointed in the middle of them. How many know that family drama has increased a little bit? So the next chapter, chapter 17, verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle, and were gathered together, which belongs to Judah, and pitched between Shokah and Ezekiah, and all these strange named places, because we don't speak Hebrew. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the Valley of Elah, which set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath, who was nine feet tall." So Israel, one mountain, valley, Philistines, setting up for a battle, thinking it's going to be a normal battle. And out of this giant tent comes this nine foot tall dude. Super strong, super built, and then he begins to challenge Israel. He says, you know what, we all don't need a fight. There's one of us. So you send me your best warrior, and we'll fight. If you win, we'll serve you. But if we win, you serve us. And all of Israel, all the men of war, all the strong men, were quaking in their boots this went on not for one day several weeks Goliath every morning woke up who's gonna challenge me who wants to take me on come on let's fight no one responded now the tallest man in the nation was King Saul it says he was head and shoulders above everybody else so it's logical the king goes to fight because he's closest in height but the king is way back in his tent not me Mm -mm, It's not gonna be me. I love y'all, but not that much. I'm staying back in my tent. Look at verse 23. So, David's father sends him to bring food and snacks and special things to his brothers. Three of his brothers were in that army. And to the captain of the army. And to see how things were going. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. So not only are they standing back, they back up even more. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man that has come up surely to defy Israel as he come up? And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich him with great riches, will give him his daughter, and will make his father's house tax-free in Israel. And David spake to the men "Listen by. by am saying, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine? Notice what gets David's attention, the reward. I'll be rich, I'm marrying the king's daughter, been hanging around with sheep way too long, it's time to leave that place. And I don't have to pay taxes for the rest of my life. That sounds good. So let me investigate a little bit more. So what's gonna happen to the man who takes down the giant? And then his brother overhears them talking, and notice what he says. That his eldest brother says, Why came you down here? With whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride of the naughtiness of your heart. For you have come down that you might see the battle. And David said, what have I now done? Is there not a call? So this is like a regular thing. What have I done now? I am just talking to people, and you are, now you're insulting my profession. Not only are you mad that I'm a shepherd, you can say, I only got a few sheep. Why do we got to bring the sheep into this? Now begins to insult his character. And it's like, dude, what have I done now? Is there not a cause to take down this giant? Yes, there's a cause for God, but there's also a cause to me. I can be rich, you be tax-free too, and I got a wife. Notice David's mentality. He's 17. Think about what a 17-year-old boy would be thinking about right now. And he turned from him toward another, and spake after the same manner, and the people answered him again after the former manner. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine, to fight with him, for you are but a youth. You are just a teenager, and he is a man of war since he was a teenager. He's been killing people since he was your age. And David said unto Saul, Your servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the pall of the lion out of the pall of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. Notice this teenager, look, working my after-school job, a lion comes out and takes a lamb. Most people at the side of the lion, I quit. (laughs) (laughs) Lamb chop is not that important. But it says he went after them, found the lion, and with his bare hands took the lion down. No gun, no slingshot, no sword, his hands. So the bear tried to do the same thing, and I did the same thing to him. You have to rehearse your victories. What God has done for you, you must remind yourself. Just like Psalm 77, when the guy said, I began to think of the stories of your mighty right hand. You have to remind yourselves of the victories that God has brought to you and through you and for you in dark hours and when trying things are in front of you. Because what you're looking at right now is not your first
1: problem. It's not your first circumstance. God has brought you through before. So remind yourself what God has done in the past and say, he can do it again. So David, full of faith, says, this giant, this
0: nine-foot-tall man, I will take him down just like the lion, just like the bear, because
1: he's uncircumcised. He doesn't have a covenant. I have a covenant with the living God. My God delivered me from the bear. He delivered me from the lion. He'll deliver me from this giant.
0: And the king replies, well, the Lord be with you. What else is gonna say to that? So Saul says, well, I can't just send you out like this. At least put on my armor. But the armor didn't fit. He says, I haven't proved these, I can't wear these. So he's like, I'm gonna leave this here. I got a slingshot. He went to the river and picked up five stones. Now you think, well, did David have bad aim? No, 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 Goliath had four brothers. So David said, we can make it a family affair today. We have a five-deal special. Y'all can go down today. Notice this confidence that came from a teenager who knew his covenant. Same confidence Caleb had. So it doesn't matter what age you are, you can have confidence that God can use you to do the impossible. Notice verse 42. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, that he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. So Goliath looks at him, this man of war, looks at this teenager. Not only is this a teenager, he's a pretty boy. And he disdains him. And the Philistine said unto David, am I a dog that you come to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his God. Now he starts cussing him out. Everybody's hearing this, both nations. And the Philistine said to David, come to me. I will give your flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, you come at me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This." Today will the Lord deliver you into my hand, and I will smite you and take your head from you. I will give your carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and all this assembly shall know that the Lord
1: saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Never run at your giant with your mouth closed. You must open your mouth and say something. Your giants are talking to you. Your bills are talking to you. Your circumstances are talking to you. Situations are talking to you. You need to talk back. The same God who delivered me before will deliver me again.
0: So the giant runs at him. And you might think, think about a giant, nine foot tall dude. Who knows how heavy he is, running. Come on, that ground is moving. David looks at him, and he takes off running too. Coming through the valley, running at each other. Everybody is watching. David pulls out the slingshot. And then it said the stone not only hit him, it said it sunk in Goliath's forehead. Now, you can be a good shot. But how do you enable a rock to become a bullet?
1: See, David spoke words of faith. And then when he acted on his faith, an angel grabbed that rock, planted
0: it into Goliath's head. And it says, Goliath fell to the ground. Everybody, (gasps) no one's moving. David runs up and takes Goliath's sword. Not his sword, Goliath's sword. Ha Click! Picks up Goliath's head. Now, Israel begins to rejoice and they charge and
1: it says they beat the Philistines for the rest of the afternoon. One teenager who actually believed that God could use him.
0: Save a nation. Go to 2 Corinthians 4. Almost done. God can use you no matter your age, no matter your circumstance. Never run at your giant with your mouth closed. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 13. Remember we said Caleb had another spirit. We'll read about the spirit he had. Paul's quoting David and this verse. 2 Corinthians 4, 13. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. We also believe, therefore we speak. Whatever you believe, you need to start saying. Because if you complain and whine, you believe the fear, you believe the evil report. But if you speak words of faith, you're saying, I believe the report of the Lord. You must have the same spirit that Caleb had. The same spirit that David had, spirit of faith. How does faith arise in your heart? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. That's why you don't just get the word in your heart on Sundays. And some of you, we do have a Wednesday service at 7 p.m. You can come and get the word there too. But that's great if you come to those two times, but how many of you know you got more circumstances than just two days of the week? You need to be putting the word in your heart every single morning. You need to listen to messages that preach the words of faith into your heart. So faith comes in your heart, that no matter
1: what you face, it becomes what First John says: Your faith can bring the systems of the world to its knees. So no matter what comes against you, whether they be physical giants or situations that seem to be giants to you, faith is in your heart. So you open your mouth and you speak words of faith, and what you say comes to pass before your eyes. Why? The same spirit of
0: faith, acting just like your heavenly Father. What did Jesus say? I only say the words I hear him say. That's what you need to do. Lord, what would you have me to say to this situation? Listen for those words, then reply, thus saith the Lord. And after you speak those things, you rejoice. Wake up the next morning. You thank God for it again. Go to bed thanking God. Wake up the next morning praising God. Believing that your faith is working. Believing that situations are changing. Don't lose hold to your faith. Don't let go of your confession. Believe in the goodness of God. Stand strong and see the salvation of the Lord. Because if he did it for Caleb, the senior citizen, if he did it for David, the teenager, Why not you? As you already heard today, he's not a respecter of persons. He is a respecter of faith. Do you dare to believe God for the impossible? Do you dare to stand as a hero in trying times? Do you dare to let God use you in such a way that causes the world to take notice? Last scripture, Acts chapter 2. chapter 2. So the day of Pentecost, as Jesus promised, the Holy Ghost came. The 120 were filled with the Holy Ghost, with the Bible evidence of speaking in other tongues. The power of God came upon them. They were so loud, a crowd gathered. Come on, you know you would loud when thousands gather around to see what's going on. And they heard them talking in these other languages, but they said, they said, Joe, they're just drunk. Now, Just because you are fluent in other languages, doesn't mean you're drunk. Now, if they're rolling on the ground, laughing, jumping, and running, people might have a reason to believe that they're drunk. Peter replies as, we're not drunk, it's only 9 a.m. That doesn't mean much today, but for then it meant something. (laughs) But this is that, verse 16, which was spoken by the prophet Job, and it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. That's everybody. You can't miss it. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, and on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Yes, it enables you to do supernatural things. But notice it said, the young will see vision. The young will be given supernatural sight. You may think, well, the young, they can't see correctly. They haven't lived long enough to have the right perspective. But when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you can see accurately. So the old men will dream dreams. You might think, well, it's too late for them to dream. Yes, dream is a young man's thing. Whether at the end of their life, how can they dream again?
1: But when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you may be in your 70s, you may be in your 80s, you may be in your 90s, but you can dream a new dream and say, give me that mountain. It doesn't matter where you are in your life right now, what your situation is or what your age is. By the power of the Holy Ghost, you can be like David, and I can run through a troop. I can leap over a wall. It doesn't matter what goes on in my life. By the power of God, by the anointing, I can do all things because the anointing, the power of God gives me strength. He can do exceedingly, abundantly, far above according to the power that works in me. So I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to whine. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to go forward in faith. I'm going to speak words of faith. I'm going to be a victor. I'm going to be an overcomer. I'm going to walk in the light. I'm going to walk in victory. I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to walk in prosperity. I'm going to get everything God has for me. I will be a hero in this age. People will see my life. They will give God glory. I will make Jesus famous and I will change my generation. That's who you are. You are a hero. So whose report will
0: you believe? Whichever report you believe, it'll transform you. So if you believe the negative, fearful, evil report, that's what you'll become. But if you believe the report of faith, the report of the power of God, that's what you'll have. So whatever dream, plan, or purpose is in your heart, it's not impossible. For with God, all things are possible. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Oh, go ahead and lift your hands and thank God for the word. Father, we thank you. Oh, we thank you for the word. We give you glory for the word. We thank you for the word that's in our heart. We choose to believe it. We receive it. Something good is going to happen to us. We choose to walk by faith, not by sight. Meaning what you see cannot discourage you. You have to be like Paul says, this is but a light affliction, it's temporary. What's weightier? The glory of God that's going to manifest in your situation. Hallelujah. So right now I want you to think about whatever circumstance or situation you're facing whatever giant is before you, whatever mountain is in your life. And I want you to repeat after me. To so this, this situation, this giant, this, giant, this mountain, this mountain will, be will be removed. Just like God, Just like God delivered me, delivered me, brought, me through, brought me through, and gave me victory gave me in, the in the past, he will do it again. Do it again. And this victory... will be greater. greater. This win win. will be so great great. that people will begin to talk about it. And when they come to me and and ask me what happened, happened. I'll tell them about about Jesus, and I'll make him famous. Praise God. I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Also, if you want to support the ministry financially, you can go to FCCGA.com and follow the directions there. If you want more about the subject of heroes that we've been talking about in this broadcast, go onto iTunes or onto Amazon Kindle and download Biblical Heroes Volume 1. Have an amazing day.